0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Well, I have the privilege of leading us through God's Word the next couple of weeks. And I really do mean that it's a privilege, because as I've been studying God's Word this week, I've really learned just how beautiful God's word is for us and how we should be in awe and in reverence of God's word that God didn't have to write the Bible. He didn't have to, you know, write his word to us, but yet he did because he loves us. So today we're going to be in Nehemiah 8. If you have a Bible or if you don't, there's Bibles in the back. If you have your Bible app, you can open to Nehemiah 8. And would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattitiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashpadonah, Zechariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, you may be saying, that's impressive, all those names, yeah, I practice those. So, um, I want to start with a story this morning, as I often do. This story is about a Native American, and he lived in a tribe, and there was going to be this great gathering, and it was probably a two or three days hike to get there. And he heard about it, but he didn't know if he wanted to go. Well, then he received a letter from one of his friends in another tribe, and they said that, hey, I'm going to be at the gathering. You have a place to stay if you want to come. So he decided, okay, you know what? I'll make the hike, and I'll make the travel. So he goes up there. He stays with his friend, and They're gathering for a couple days, and what's happening is someone's preaching the Word of God. And at this gathering, many people are coming to know Christ and coming to be saved, and it's an amazing time. And then he gets back to his friend's house, and he decides, you know, I'm going to write a letter to my my friends and family back home. And he writes the letter, and it says something like this. Man, I wish you could have been here. God moved in tremendous ways, lives were changed, and there was a great, amazing revival. And what's kind of funny is he meant to say revival, but he wrote revival because he didn't really understand what was going on. He was new to what was happening. And what's interesting is I think this same thing that this little Native American was getting at is actually very true, and it's what we're going to look at today. It's this idea of revival. We see it all throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And what I question is, can revival still happen today? Can revival happen now like it did back then? And I would say, yes, yes, it can. And here's how, with the word of God. So today we're going to look at a recipe for biblical revival. And there's four ingredients that we're going to look at. And the first one is going to be passion for God's word. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded to Israel. is that the walls of Jerusalem have just been rebuilt and all those who have gone out are coming back. So all the Israelites are gathering back and the community is being rebuilt. And what's happening is they're picking up right where they all come back and it says all the people gathered. And I want us to take a look at this because all the people met everyone who was there at the time. And this is what I want you to see. The passion for God's word is not just from one individual, but it's from all people. Because what happens They told Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses. They told Ezra to bring out the word of God. And then that struck me when I was reading this, that one little verse, I was like, man, this is powerful. Why? Because they didn't say, hey, Ezra, do you think you could bring out, you know, the word of God? Hey, Ezra, maybe it would be cool if you brought out, you know, God's word. And it didn't happen. Ezra didn't say, hey, listen, we're all here. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to read from God's word. No, all the people looked to Ezra and they told him, Ezra, bring out God's word. We want to hear from God's word. They had passion and desire to hear from God's word. And it's a little different than today because today we have millions of copies with probably thousands of translations of the Bible. And so we can go pick up a Bible at any bookstore. You can pick them up back there. We have, there's Bibles everywhere. And yet too often, it's still not picked up. But here, these people, there's probably only a few written Bibles at that time and written books of the law of Moses. And now these people are telling Ezra, Ezra, I want you to read this book to us. We want to hear what God has to teach us. You see, there's passion and desire to learn what God is teaching. And then it goes on, says this, And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. And the presence of the men and women, and those who can understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Now, this is what I'm teaching from from early morning until midday. We're going old school Baptist preaching. We'll be here till probably four or five in the afternoon. So if you need to get lunch, you can go get it and come back. We'll be here just you know cranking away. But I read that and I think, man, from early morning until midday, how long is that? I long enough for me to not pay attention. That's kind of what I think. But it says, all the the ears of all the people were attentive. If you're not passionate to hear what God's saying, what God's teaching, then you're not going to be attentive, and especially not for that long. So there's passion to hear from God's Word. There's passion about God's Word, and there's passion to learn from God's Word. And when I think about passion, immediately I think sports. Because I know people who have never gone to that college, never even played that sport, but they are diehard college football fans for that team. And it's crazy. They'll, they'll do anything. They'll break a TV if that, their team loses because they're just that passionate about their team. But then there's people that are passionate about their sport because they play it. Well, this story I can think of is someone who's passionate about their sport, but also passionate about God's Word. And it's a movie called Greater. It's about a guy named Brandon Burlsworth and his dream was to be a Arkansas Razorback. He wanted to play football at the D1 level and be a Razorback. That was his dream, and in high school, he was decent, and he got some scholarship offers, but he turned them all down because he was determined, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be a Razorback. Well, his family didn't have a lot of money, and so his mom decided, look, we can you know, put aside a little bit of money to afford you to go for one year. That's all we can pay for. So if you wanna go be a walk-on for one year, you can go. And then it's up to you to get a scholarship to continue your education there and continue playing if need be. But if you don't make the team, then you're gonna to have to come back and you're gonna to have to get a job and pay your way through a community college because I'm giving you all I have for this one year. So he decides, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. Long story short, he becomes a walk-on And he's a little overweight, he's not, you know, he doesn't look like the rest of the football players, he's not really a division one football player. He's very mediocre, but all the people are picking on him and saying, look, why are you even trying out, it's not even worth your time. But he's determined, because he has passion that he can drive and be the best that he wants to be. So every morning he wakes up, before they have morning practice, his alarm goes off, he gets up and he reads his Bible. All his other roommates kind of see it and they're just like, uh, oh, whatever, and they go back to bed until their alarm goes off. Well, not only that, but then he's also the first to practice. He's the last to leave. And after a year of doing this, time and time again, he finally earns a scholarship and he earns a spot on varsity. So they he continues for his four years. And what happens is he has passion for sport, but he has passion for God's word. And by the end of his senior year, he has people coming out. His teammates are going out early in the morning. They're staying after. They're going working out in the rain. They're running. They're doing all these things that they never would have done before because passion is contagious. You see, his passion for what he did drove others to also want to do it. And also by the end of his senior year, he started having a Bible study with his roommates, with his teammates. Those who were making fun of him are now joining him in reading God's word. You see, there's passion For these things there's passion for his word and there's passion for sport and in both areas passions contagious and people around him are trying to do what he's doing because they see his passion for it And I think man that's incredible but then the more I think about it is passions not natural passions actually learned and here's why because I have passion for tennis I love tennis that's what I grew up playing But I wasn't born saying, I'm going to be a tennis player. No, I grew up, my dad played, some people in my family played, and I had interest. So first, passion starts with interest. And then out of that interest became more of a desire to learn about it. And then as I played sports a little more and played tennis a little more, I I said, you know what, I kind of like this and I think I can play it. And then I started putting in the time. I started training. And then I grew a passion for the sport to be the best that I could be at the sport. You see, passion for God's word is the same, right? First, it's just you reading your word, and then someone else sees, what are you doing? And then there's an interest. Your passion for God's word sparks an interest for someone else. And from that interest, you say, what is God's word? What is the Bible? And then they go, and they start looking up, you know, what is the Bible? And then they start reading some passages and saying, who is this Jesus guy? Who is God? What is this? And there's that interest becomes more of a desire and they start seeking out and learning a little more and then there's passion you see it's a learned aspect it's learned and it's not just something that's natural so passion for god's word is something that we can train ourselves to be better at and i would encourage you to be better at because i don't know if you've ever met a new believer who is just so ecstatic about god's word that they just want to be in it all the time and then it makes you feel like man Do I even read God's word? Because they're just asking you questions back and forth. And that's amazing and very, very encouraging. And that's passion. And it encourages and motivates and it's contagious. So I want you to see that all these people were attentive. They were listening. They were telling Ezra, we want to hear your word because we have passion. We have desire. We want to know what God is teaching us. And here's the interesting thing about just faith in general is that Jesus didn't come to die on the cross and be resurrected three days later just to save you or just to save me. Jesus came for every single person on earth to hear the good news and to come to faith. I want you to hear this this morning, that the faith of those around you should be just as important to you as your own faith. I really mean that. The faith of those around you should be just as important as your own faith. So you should have passion for the word and passion to see your passion spread to those around you. Because the Bible teaches us that a a lamp is not to be hidden under a basket, no. A lamp is to be on a hill to shine for all to see. If you have faith and you have passion for God and for his word and to be obedient to him, don't hide it. Let others see it and let that spark interest in those around you. Because others' face around you should be just as important as your own. But passion for God's word is only the first ingredient. The next ingredient is praise for God's word. And Ezra, here we go again, the scribes stood on a wooden platform that they had made for their purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashem, Hasridah, Zechariah and Mashalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. This is exactly why we stand every Sunday before the reading of God's word. Because what happened? Ezra opened the book. Did he read from it yet? No, but they were had so much passion, desire and reverence and respect for the word of God that they stood before it was even read. And that's why we stand before the word of God is read on Sunday mornings because we are saying we respect and have reverence for your word, Lord. Teach us something today. So all the people stood. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. When Ezra's reading the word of the Lord, when Ezra is speaking, he's not saying anything, you know, amazing he's not this entertainer no he's just reading from god's word and that alone is enough to bring people to their knees to put their faces on the ground and worship god saying amen amen and i can only imagine that if you know anything about the israelites as is they just mess up time and time again it's just like a broken record of unfaithfulness and i can only imagine that as ezra's reading through the book of the law of moses that they're just being reminded of the times they failed over and over again, but they've been reminded of God's faithfulness. That even when they had no faith, even when they were faithless, God was faithful. And if you can put yourselves in the Israelite shoes, I'm sure you would be face down on the ground as well. Saying, amen, amen. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You are the only one worthy of praise. But you see, these steps we're going through today have to be in order. Because if you don't have passion for God's word, then you're not going to be interested, you're not going to care about what God's word has to say. And if you don't care about what God's word has to say, then you're definitely not going to give praise after you read God's word or if you hear God's word. See, this recipe for revival has to go in order. And I promise you that there will be a move of the spirit if this happens. Because if there's passion, if everyone wants to learn from God's word, then you're gonna be seeking out God to move in your life. You're gonna be seeking out God to show you something about himself and about faith in general. And then you're gonna give praise for what you've seen, for what he's done. But think about it. These people are giving praise and think about how much of the Bible was written at the time. Right? What if we read the Bible now? Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament was the prophecies of Jesus, right? Old Testament is prophecies of Jesus. The New Testament is about Jesus who came, the Messiah who died on the cross, resurrected three days later, provided a way for us to be reunited with God. These people didn't have that. They only had a prophecy, but yet they praised God nonetheless. Imagine how much more we should be praising God Because we've seen what he's done. We can experience what he's done. And we can be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should be giving praise. We should be giving praise for who he is. For what he teaches. For the fact that he wrote the Bible for us. Think about it. God does not need the Bible. Why would God need the Bible? But he spent time... Orchestrating and putting together the Bible so that we, broken, sinful people, can learn more about Him. And the more you learn about God, the more you grow in your faith with Him. And here's the thing: we just learned about John in this, our last series. John 1:1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look, the Word is alive, and the Word is living, and the Word is breathing. God can speak to you through his word. If you want to know what God's trying to say to you, if you want to hear more from God, get in his word. Because he can move. He can do things that only God can do. And that leads us right into the next step. Next ingredient is power of God's word. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabithiah, Hadiah, Masiah, Kelida, Azariah, Jazabad Hanan Peliah the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places they read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that people could understand the reading and Nehemiah who was a governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to the, all to all the people this is holy this is this day is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn or weep For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. I want to go back and look at this real quick. That these Levites, they're going around to all the Israelites who are not able to really understand what's going on. And they're basically breaking down the passages of scripture. And they're breaking down what was just read to them. What God's word is is saying and what, what it means. So that everyone can understand. You see, they didn't want anyone to go away not understanding what was taught. And then they said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Like we just talked about, these people were brought to their knees, faces to the ground. They were weeping, probably being reminded of their faithlessness. And just in awe of God's faithfulness. Why would God love us even though we constantly mess up? Why would God love us even though we're sinners? And they're just probably, you know, thinking back on all the times they messed up. And they're just weeping, saying, we're not good enough. God, how do you love us? But that's his grace. You see, all these people are hearing and understanding God's word. They're having faith for maybe the first time ever. And that's why they're saying, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Because people are believing. People are having faith. They're wanting to follow God. They're wanting to believe in him. So this is a holy day. Don't weep. Don't mourn because God is moving. You see, God's word is powerful. There's power in his word and he can do things that only God can do. So no matter what wall you're putting up, no matter what distance you're trying to put between you and God, God can break down those walls. He can track down that distance. He can meet you where you're at. And that's something that no other religion can offer. Because our God comes to us in the midst of our circumstances. Doesn't matter how sinful we are. Doesn't matter how much we deny God. He meets us where we're at and he forgives us. And you see, that's power of God's word that only God has. But I also want you to understand that you know, as you go and you share the gospel and as you try to live this faithful life, there's nothing that you or I can do to save someone. Nothing. Because only God can do it. Which is exactly why Ezra was not saying some, you know, abundant thing that he thought of. No, he's preaching God's word because God's word is the only thing that can change lives. God's word, God's power is the only thing that can rewrite someone's eternity. And think about how powerful that is. An eternity rewritten, not because of anything you did, but because of something someone else did for you. You see, the power of God is incomprehensible. The more you think about it, the more you get lost and in awe of who God is and why he loves us, why we have grace, why he shows us mercy, why he forgives us. We're in awe of it. And it just drives us back to this endless cycle of passion for his word. Praise when we read his word. Praise for what God has done. Because we get to experience the power. We get to experience who God is, what he's doing in our life, what he's doing in the lives of those around us. We get to see God at work. You know the coolest thing? Is that he actually wants us to be involved. We read it at the end of the service, the Great Commission. He wants us to go out to share the gospel with all the nations, to baptize people. He wants us to go and do his work so that he can move through us. Us broken people, sinful and full of shame, to go to a world of broken people and share the gospel because he is powerful. Look, I don't stand up here this morning perfect, by no means, no. But I know that God's word can do far more than I could ever imagine. And to put a limit on what God can do would be wrong because God can use broken people like me and like you to share his gospel and to move in someone's heart who needs to hear God's word. You see, the power of God's word is tremendous. It's extraordinary. And only God has the power to rewrite people's eternities, to rewrite people's stories. And from the power of God's word, You get purpose from God's word. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared. Them. You see, God's word changes people's stories, and in doing so, it gives people purpose. Now, because they had understood the words that were declared to them, they were able to rejoice. They were given a new purpose, not to mourn, not to weep, but to go rejoice because God is greater than anything we struggle with. God's greater than ourselves. God is greater than anything on earth. If we're going to give worship to something, it should be to God, not to the things he created. Too often we spend time, you know, worrying about his creation and not the creator. The creator should come first always. And when you have passion for his word, you have praise for his word, right? You experience the power, then you experience purpose, and it gives you a calling. Each and every single person in here has a purpose. God designed everyone for a unique purpose. And I want you to understand that. I have a little illustration I want to read this morning. It's about Albert Einstein. It says this, and seemed that the famed scientist Albert Einstein had more trouble finding his way home from work than he did finding the key to atomic power. One evening, as Einstein sat deep in thought aboard the train that brought him home each night, the porter approached to collect his ticket. Einstein rummaged around his coat, through his pockets, in his shirt, everywhere he could think of, growing alarmed at his inability to find the ticket. That's okay, Dr. Einstein said. The porter, I know you ride this train every single day, so I can just collect it tomorrow. Einstein said, that's great for you, but I need the train ticket to know where my destination is. (laughs) And it's so funny because I think that this relates to Christianity, and let me break it down and, and... Let you understand how. You see, this train is like Christianity. A lot of people like to hop on. A lot of people like to say, look, I'm getting aboard the train of Christianity. I have faith. But yet, they don't read God's word, and God's word is kind of like that ticket which gives us purpose and a destination. And if we're saying, look, I want to hop on the train but I don't want to have a destination, I don't want to have a purpose, then please hear me out because this comes from only love. To get on a train with no no destination is about as pointless as not getting on the train at all. You see, to say that you're a Christian, but not seek after God and not seek after His calling on your life is almost the same as to not even, you know, claim Christianity. Because I've learned this, that Christianity is not half in, half out. Because I lived that way for several years. And when I finally came to faith, I can look back and say, man, what I thought was Christianity, that wasn't Christianity. And I want you to understand this, that to be a Christian means to follow after God and to seek after God with everything you have. Meaning that your life's purpose is not what you wanna do, it's what God wants to do through you. And God has a purpose for everyone. And if you wanna know where your purpose is, it's gonna come through his word. You have to be in his word, learning from his word. Because if you want God to speak to you, he's gonna speak to you through his word. God has a plan and a purpose for every single person. So I pray that you don't just hop on this train of Christianity just because it's what everyone's doing no, because it's really easy to claim Christianity, but it's a lot harder to actually walk it out. You see, being a Christian, it's simple. It really is. You just believe that Jesus died for your sins, and you truly believe that in your heart, and then you follow God. It's simple, right? But it doesn't mean it's easy. That does not mean it's easy. So I pray this morning that that if you're going to get on this train of Christianity, that you're all in, and that you want to see where God can take you. That you don't want to just say, look, I'm saved, and that's enough, and now I'm on this train, and I'm good, because let me tell you, being saved is just the beginning of your story. It is not the end. So I hope that you can get in the word, that you can have passion for his word, that you can give praise for his word. That you can understand that there's power in God's word. And that you can find purpose in God's word. You see, if we want to experience revival, true revival today, it comes from God's word. Because only God has the power to change hearts and to change people's lives. And to rewrite someone's story and set them aboard a new path with a new destination with a new purpose. Only God can do this. But we have to get in his word we have to be just as committed to god as he's committed to us because he gave everything everything because i want you to understand that we're broken we're broken and we should have been on that cross The more I think about that, doesn't matter how many times I hear it, how many times I take communion, every time I think about it, it hurts. Because I should have been on that cross. Why? Because I'm sinful. God didn't do anything. Jesus did nothing wrong. If anything, he came down from heaven so that we could be saved. He did everything right and paid the price of someone who did it wrong so that we can be called righteous, so that we can be called his son and his daughter. We need to get on the train and say, Lord, show me my destination. I don't want to just ride this train forever because if riding the train forever to get nowhere does you no good. We need to get on the train of the Christian faith with a destination where God is calling us. Let us pray this morning. Dear Lord, I pray that, I just pray that you bring revival in this church, that you bring revival in this city Lord there's things that you can do that we can't even fathom Lord I pray that you were able to speak through me today that the power of your word is able to change hearts of many in this room Lord because there's nothing I can say that can do that there's nothing that we can say to save someone Lord and we know that and Lord I pray that you move in ways that only you can. Lord, I pray coming out of this Christmas season into this new year, that we can be set to figure out our purpose for you, Lord. Lord, because you rewrote our story entirely. So let us follow after you with everything we have. Lord, I just pray for a move of your spirit in this place today. Comfort those who need comforting. Show love to those who need love, Lord. Encourage those who need encouragement. Give purpose and direction to those who are seeking after you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we can be people who are faithful to you no matter what's going on in our life. Lord, I pray that you be with us today. And you be with us in this new year to come. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.